monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan, some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello and welcome to the Bride of the Creature podcast, episode 45! Which is like a gun, a forty-five <laughs> or a forty-five RPM record. I like the record better. There's lots of things that have forty-fives in them. <laughs> Some people are aged that, and our podcast is one of them. This is Bride of the Creature, episode forty-five. I am the creature Joey G. Joining me at a right angle to where I'm sitting, so if I'm facing this direction directly, like forward about a foot and then to the right immediately, like a hard right, is the bride Nicole. <laughs> Hi. How are you, dear? Good, how love? are you? I fucked up my own catchphrase. How are you, love? <laughs> Good. That's fantastic. And joining us in, in, and joining us in your arms is the son of, creature. of creature. Son of Creature. We agreed on this. No, we did not. You, you started saying son, so stop with the, the nonsense. It's son right. of Creature. He's sitting there. He's sucking on a fat little soother there, like the little chode that he is. Don't call him a chode. <laughs> he's the he smiled at that. Well, of course he did. <laughs> he chode. He's just like, yeah, he's funny. Yeah. Uh, funny. Anyway, am I bleeding? No, no, let's catch up. Um, oh my god. You're so disgusting. Yeah. So this week, uh, as we do every week, we watched a movie. Yes. We're a day late. I know. Day late, a dollar short. That happens now. Yeah, we had a bitch of a time getting a hold of this movie. Yeah. Anyway, we got a hold of this movie and we watched it. Uh, it was your pick. It was a French film. It goes by, by directed by Pascal Logier or Logier or uh, Louis Lillo, as I like to call him. Pascal Louis Lillo. Uh, it was Martyrs from 2008. Let's listen to the trailer. magic of editing we are back so when i i wanted to watch a religious horror movie can you pick one that wasn't not not in the traditional sense no not in any sense no it was <laughs> shut up it was you're being very dismissive right now it was a of bit you but not of the movie let's just get that clear right now i have the utmost respect for films and filmmakers it's wives that i have a problem with I'm glad that you think you're funny. Oh, well, I mean, I am my biggest fan. 
Sorry, but yeah, uh, this was your pick, and it was not a religious movie, but it kind of was. In a way. In a way, and it wasn't your fault, because the book that you were looking at said it was a religious movie. Yeah. So really, if we should take issue with anyone, it should be the it's the writer book. of that book. Yeah. Was it the book that you gave me? I think so. I can't remember which one we looked in now. I we have a couple it, of books. I think it was the book I gave you mm-hmm. for Christmas, your Christmas present. I know, thank you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, we're going to blame them, but uh, let me uh, break it down a little bit for you. It's kind of like two films. This is going to go heavily into spoiler territory because there is no way to discuss this movie without spoiling it, and I would actually recommend you see it before you listen. But fuck it, you're not going to be listen, so whatever. Why, why do I need to tell them what to do? They're grown-ups. They can make their own decisions. <laughs> so the movie starts off with a little prologue of a girl running away being scared, and then the little scene of them, of the young girl and her friend in a institution, an orphanage, if you will. For abused children. For abused children. That seems like the worst kind of orphanage to have to go to. Like, it's bad enough that you're in an orphanage, but then they have a, a specific, specific orphanage. Like, all right, the orphans will go here, and the orphans who have been abused will go here. Yeah. Because it's important that they always be made to feel different from everyone else. <laughs> I mean, they're already orphans. So, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not from France. I don't know how they do things over there. Or possibly Belgium. I'm pretty sure it was France. Oh, maybe, yeah, France. It was a co-production of France and Canada. That's us. I did not know that. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, Fifteen years later, the girls are grown up, Lucy and Anna. And they, Lucy goes to a house... Where it looks like just a nice family lives, having breakfast. They're having breakfast. They're joking. They're laughing. They're having a good time. Just a regular all-American family that is in France that is French. (laughs) When in bursts Lucy, shotgun in her hand, she shot him down, Lord. Lord, she shot him down. She blew holes in everybody. She killed them all. Because she believes this to be the family, at least the parents, who originally held her captive and beat the fuck out of her as a child. And abused her. And abused her before she went to the abused child orphanage. <laughs> and she always sees this demon monster thing There's that's a scary really monster creepy. That, that we learn creepy. is, is, is a, a person who was also being held captive that she didn't rescue when she was young. She just ran away from it. She's been haunted by that memory ever since. Yes. Spoiler alert. It's not a real monster. It's all in her head. I, I didn't know that watching the That's movie. That's why I'm, I'm not going to say that it's obvious. Because to me, it was very obvious. I The second I saw, the first time we saw the scary monster, I was like, well, clearly because, it's a her head. Because in my head, I was still thinking this was a religious horror movie. So I was thinking that this was some sort of form of Satan. I went to a lot of church when I was a kid. I was an altar boy. Never once were we attacked by scary ah! uh, monster girls. Sorry, like but the scream. The I almost lost his soother. Brody. That would have been more horrifying than anything. You rotten son of a creature. But, so yeah, anyway, it turns out that she's not really an actual ghost or anything. She's actually just, Lucy's fuck nutty and she's cutting herself. We have a smiling baby on the podcast, but you can't hear that because it's adorable. It's pretty distracting, actually. Anyway, uh, Lucy kills everyone, goes fucking crazy, Anna's trying to deal with shit. We're going to spoil the whole plot of this movie because we can't talk about it. So this is going to be me continuing to talk about what happens in this movie. Uh, Lucy kills herself when she realizes that even though she has killed the people who tortured her and the ghost of the girl who haunts her, that the girl will always haunt her. So she kills herself. Yes. Cuts her throat open. And Anna's like, no! Fuck! We've been friends since we were abused orphans. Anna is a good friend in this movie. She's a good friend. I don't know how good a friend she is if you think about it. Like, do friends, like, okay, so my friend is an abused orphan. 
Yes. And <laughs> let's say you're an abused orphan. All right. Okay? And you, as an abused orphan, uh, decide that the only way to stop being tortured, in addition to being abused and orphaned, is to murder people. People that you're not even convinced are the right people. Like, you're just like, you're... Because uh, I'm asking you, are you sure these are the people? And you're like, totally. So she's like, well, seeing as I'm a good friend and all, I guess I'll just go with you while you murder people. Yeah, that's a good friend. I don't... That's no, what good friends no, do. No, good friends help you hide the bodies. Good friends don't facilitate your murdering people. She wasn't there for the actual murdering. She was helping to get rid of the bodies. See, I think her morals remember. are out of whack because she's Anna's? A, an orphan, and B, an abused orphan. Oh, my God. We're sorry to any abused orphans out there. Yeah, for life Joey's has comments. dealt you a bad hand, but that doesn't mean you can go around killing people. Well, if they hurt you, yes, you can. No, no, you can't. If, I could, if we could ever release a Bride of the Creature t-shirt, it would say, Dear Abused Orphan, comma, carriage return, new, new paragraph, Yes, life dealt you a bad hand, but, you know, make lemonade, don't kill people. That seems like Period. a lot of information. Return, love and kisses, bride of creature. No, I'd have to say kissy kissy. P.S. Kissy kissy. <laughs> we forgot that earlier, and this is a typewriter, old fashioned, so we couldn't really just like backspace. That. P.P.S. <laughs> That's way too much information for a t shirt. Not you. everyone is as big as you. Ooh. They're not going to be able to fit all that information well, we on the their body. On both sides. I will give $10 cash to the first person in the audience who tattoos that onto their body. How much cash? 10 <laughs> Oh my god. I have a 10 in my wallet. Can I have it? Are you going to put that on your body with a tattoo? Mm-hmm. Yes. It sounded like you were going to say no, <laughs> and then you changed your mind. Anyway, okay, so where I left off. Lucy's dead. Anna... Uh, who seemed that despite the fact that she is also an abused orphan, she's less tortured, like, mentally. But then she discovers a secret passageway in the house, and oh my fuck, it turns out that it was legit. The family did abuse her. Well, they abused her. Lucy as a child. They did. Uh, It's pretty crazy. And then... And when she goes down there, she sees all these lit up photos of other people near death suffering and... Yeah, there's some weird photos of dead people. Then the movie becomes a different movie. At that point, we all of a sudden discover that this movie we were watching, this incredibly graphically violent and slightly disturbing psychological thriller, is in fact a science fiction movie, which is kind of cool. It turns out that, yes, there are people actually uh, holding people hostage, and Anna gets taken as the next hostage... Because she stayed in the house too freaking long. Yes, as the elderly lady, not only as the mademoiselle explains to that uh, she was responsible for Lucy's kidnapping, blah, blah, blah. She was a test subject. And their experiments, according to Wikipedia, inflict systematic acts of torture upon young women in the belief that their suffering will result in a transcendental insight into the world beyond this one. But so far, all their attempts have failed, and they have only created victims. And they're trying to create martyrs. They don't really explain it particularly well with the differences, only that... The victims just die and see nothing, and the martyrs, all those photos of them looking like they're actually seeing something without dying. Yeah, they all these famous pictures that they have throughout history of people near suffering, near, near death. How, what? There's only been three, and none of them have been able to speak yeah, about what they saw. Yeah, but she, she, the woman explains it to Anne, and she's showing her the pictures, and she keeps saying, look at their eyes, look at their eyes, because she can see that in their eyes that they are seeing something, something. beyond this life. But they're unable to speak about it, and they die soon afterwards. So... Anna becomes the latest test subject. She gets 
uh, we are subjected to 25 more minutes of graphic violence and brutality. Uh, and then they tear all of her skin off. Oh. It pretty much turns into a Lovecraft film. And at the end, she has uh, achieved the transcendence. And is able to talk about it. She was... Yeah. Anna whispers, whispers Mademoiselle. it. Yeah. Mademoiselle uh, gathers all the society people who come to learn about the secret of the insight. But before they can learn about it, Mademoiselle shoots herself in the fucking head and the movie ends. Yes. And wait, she shoots herself in the head, then the word martyr comes up on screen with a definition saying that it comes from the Greek word for witness. Uh, and then we have a slow cut, a slow zoom to the face of Anna, which is the only part of her left, while there's an eerie chorus of voices going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then the movie ends. So that is the plot. That is the synopsis. It's actually a very simple plot because there's not very much dialogue. If in a 95-minute runtime, there's maybe 15 minutes of actual plot exposition, which leaves 80 minutes of some of the most graphic violence I've ever seen in a movie. It was very graphic and disturbing. Which, I suppose, is what brings us to the question of whether or not the film is successful. Because any time you have a movie that has that much violence, the question begs to be asked, what exactly is the point of that? So, your enjoyment of the film, I think, would largely be dependent on how you felt that aspect of the film is handled and whether or not it's worth the the ordeal of watching 80 minutes of truly sadistic violence. It was very hard to watch, and I think that this movie does pay off, and that there is a purpose to, to all this senseless violence that you're kind of watching. There is Describe a the purpose to me in 20 words or less. Can you not say it like that? Why? I'm, I'm being like a talk show host. No. Des- okay, describe the purpose to me. The purpose of the violence was obviously to try to push them to that point. No, I understand the purpose in the, in the plot of the movie. Yeah. I'm saying what is the purpose in the, of doing so in the film, like as the audience to watch it, as the filmmaker. I understand that in the movie they say, oh, well, you have to suffer this much in order for yeah, you so to see Yeah, so then the I vision. don't understand your question. Okay, so you, there, my point is you could cut away. You could cut to black. You don't have to show the violence. And the first half of the movie, which is just as violent, if not more so than the second half, has nothing to do with that plot. Right? So I understand why the characters in the movie subject the girl to the violence based on the limited information that they give us in the movie about why they're doing it. But I'm saying from like the perspective of the filmmaker why 80 minutes of really hardcore over-the-top violence in service of your 15 minutes of plot. And I'm not even saying that to make it sound like a criticism. I'm curious, if the violence works for you and it pays off, then why does it work? Why does all of that, I that much? I think for me, um, a lot of it is from Anna's perspective. And you get kind yeah. of a background in, into what she's coming into this situation with. She's seen her best friend kill herself and, and commit murders. And... Then, then she, on top of going through that horrific ordeal, she has to go through another one. So you can kind of get her story to see that she was strong enough to be able to get to that point of seeing the other side and then being able to talk about it as well. Mm-hmm. It, it really helped with her character development. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, um, I don't quite agree. Um, because you don't think it pays off, the, or like there's a reason for the violence. I think the reason for the violence is to be as extreme as possible because it's a gimmick. I think that the majority of the violence in this movie is there for the sake of being over the top, 
so that it's the movie that people go, holy shit, have you seen Martyrs? That shit is intense and hardcore. I think that that some of it is the stuff from the middle of from the science fiction section to Mm -hmm. the end the last 30 minutes works pretty good for me and I actually think the last 30 minutes of the movie work pretty well but I think that they fall flat because of the first 60 minutes See, I, I sort of see your point, but I think in in that first 60 minutes, you really get an idea of what Anna's like. See, that, I'm going to have to argue with it because you don't see my point because I haven't got to it yet. Oh, okay. But my point was, I was just about to address exactly what you're saying. The first 60 minutes, I don't agree for a second that you learn anything about Anna. I think that we have so much, like, just really, really graphic, gut-wrenching violence, which... I realize that I'm not most audiences. I didn't find disturbing or hard to watch. I actually found it very boring. The first ten minutes, I was like, ooh, ooh. And then after that, I was just numb. Just like, okay, I get it. And the reason I felt that way is because I don't feel a goddamn thing for either of these characters. Really? And I'll tell you why. Lucy, a little bit. I feel a bit for Lucy at the start. And that's good because the first half of the movie is really about Lucy. Right. And it's not until Lucy dies that Anna really comes to the forefront. But they give us little tiny things like... At the beginning, Anna taking care of Lucy at the home for orphaned, abused children. And they say, well, why do you do that? She's like, because she doesn't have anybody else. And they give little tiny glimpses, like Anna calling her mom, and her mom saying, are you still with that crazy girl? But they don't really give you anything to really know anything about these girls. We just know that when they were little, they were abused, and then 15 late years later, this happened. We don't know anything that happened in between. We don't know why they're still friends. We don't know why she feels this responsibility for this girl. We don't even... We, in fact, we get the impression that she thinks that Lucy's fucking crazy. And why... She, and she shouldn't have let her go by herself. And like yeah. she feels beholden to her. But there's no real... I don't feel any actual connection to them. Nor do I feel like we know enough about Anna to justify any of the things that happened to her. See, I think... Um in this movie, you don't need to know, really, Anna's background, where she's from, or anything to know her character. She it comes out in how she handles the situation. But how does she handle the situation? I mean, she's really all over the map. She falls to pieces in one moment, then she's trying to save the woman who isn't quite dead the next, and then she's still staying in the house for some reason. Like she, you get the impression that she's damaged, but she's not crazy and stupid like Lucy is. Like Lucy seems like seriously unhinged. So all of the crazy shit Lucy does works for me. See, I think like her, like what you're saying about Anna doing different, being all over the map is her being conflicted between doing the right thing and being loyal to this girl. I, oh, yeah, that's true. And it's her, it's, her, it's her struggle with, with what's right and what's wrong. So I don't see her struggling with that at all because she doesn't really have much remorse that these people died. She's sadder that Lucy is dead than that these people were killed. And... While I see her loyalty to Lucy is so strong, we don't see anything that really, for me, explains why she feels this, like, sociopathic loyalty to this other person. And if she's so worried about taking care of Lucy, why did she let Lucy go by herself to this home with a shotgun? So there's little pieces in the first half, the first hour, that probably do make sense in someone's head when they wrote it, and don't really bother you unless you stop and think about them. But, no, I've stopped and thought about it. it okay, me, that's not what I mean then. I'm sorry if I, if it, if I sound like I'm trivializing. Yeah. That's not what I mean. I mean that we spend so much time just watching people get fucked up. And so much of that time could have maybe been spent on some character development or some plot. Because really we have three, three scenes in this movie. There's the first 45 to 50 minutes of just like shit kicking violence. Then there's about a 10 minute interlude of science fiction. And then there's 30 minutes of 
of even more shit kick and violence, and then 30 seconds of science fiction at the end. See, I don't know. I think the plot was very well laid out, and that the, the payoff, it just, the plot kept building on itself, and it became so much bigger than, than what Anna and Lucy thought it was. This is true, but I mean, I, I feel like after 90 minutes of such boring violence for me, I was just like, there's no point to this. I'm just so bored. When you get to the end and there's supposed to be this payoff, and there isn't really a payoff. It's just, it's really head, sort of head-scratchy love, Lovecraft light for me. It was kind of just like, what she saw, man, beyond the pale, it's fucked up. The afterlife, bro. Well, just the, I think it left left me with more questions. I have and a lot of questions. I think I, it's a movie that has stuck with me all day, and I've thought about about what what Anna could have possibly seen, what she said to that woman to make her not want to share it with people, and it, it was just I thought it was really good. I really liked that it left me thinking about it. I think I would like that. If it was a 25-minute short film. If the, if, it, if the movie itself was just the last 25 minutes, yeah. starting from Anna being imprisoned, I think I would love this movie. I but I but think then I think you wouldn't care about her being... Get, well, I didn't care about her anyway. And I, I did. Less, by the time we got to that part that was interesting, I just wanted the movie to be over because I was so bored. I kind of so see your point. Maybe care. maybe the violent stuff was a bit long, but I think for me it was it, it paid off really well. It made me care a lot about Anna, and and I really liked it. See, I I don't have any problem whatsoever with graphic violence in a movie. If I think that there's even if as long as there's a reason for it, even if the reason is to be titillating or entertaining or just like whoa, that's fucked. But there's nothing fun about this, or and I don't feel like there's ever really any payoff or point to it other than. To be the movie that's so violent, because it doesn't—I didn't think that the ma- majority of the on-screen violence, like they don't cut away from anything. I thought it was pretty fucked up. I just—I thought that the it just started mounting fucked up on fucked up to the point that it was just boring and numb. So, uh, yeah, I didn't like this movie very much. I don't think that it's for me. It didn't work as well as it could have. I think. And for me, I didn't see that it was as profound as I got the impression that it thinks it is. I, I did think it was really profound. I think a lot of horror movies maybe don't have a lot to say, and this one had a lot to say. And it left me thinking about a lot of things. I just think if it had so much to say, then they should have spent more than five minutes saying it. If you, I mean, because that's how I felt. I felt like you had five minutes worth of stuff to say and 90 minutes of just pointless completely pointless uh, eating the shit out of two people. Right. The acting's good. The cinematography's great. Sound design is excellent. It's a well-made flick. So what do you give this movie, Joey? Give it a five. Yeah? Oh. And, I, and it's a generous five because talking about it with you so much in the last two days has made me like parts of it more. That If I had just been going yeah. on my reaction, I would have given it a two. Because yeah. the first hour seriously bored me so much. And the last 30 minutes just annoyed me because I was already... I was already, By the time we got to the part where the movie gets interesting, I was so, like, not on board with this movie. Oh. I really I really like this movie. I would watch it again. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. Wow. I don't think that you'll be watching it with me because I, I honestly don't think I can muster enough goodwill to give this movie another chance. All right. But that was an interesting discussion. Yes. Maybe I'm stupid this time. I was, I was actually really surprised at the end when you said you didn't like this movie. Well, I mean, was, it's totally your that, type of movie. I don't think it is. And there was the whole stretch. Of, like, there was this one part at the end that really annoyed me 
when they cut her hair and shave her head. And then there's this whole like five minute sequence of her just looking sickly and beat up and cut and bruised in this in this little like tank top and a shaved head. And the way they light her and make her up and shoot it, it's like identical to shots from the movie The Passion of Joan of Arc, which is this really um, legitimately fantastic movie about a, a religious martyr. And because I've seen that movie the whole time I was watching that part I was going I get it it's Joan of Arc yes you went to film school I'm glad that you saw that movie too but what's the point of showing me that shot is it just because it's cool and you want me to know you went to film school or is there some reason beyond the like earn this this homage like I don't understand why you're showing me this so long I get it okay well, I didn't see that movie but maybe because Joan of Arc was such a famous martyr and they wanted to to invite the comparison. Okay, but I mean, but even in that, Joan of Arc was speaking to God, and she was. It doesn't matter. Just that, just from the movie itself, that little piece of like not part of the plot, just like that little like ah eh, eh, Joan of Arc, eh, like that movie. I'm like, yeah, I know. That kind of bugged me for All whatever right. reason. Yeah. That, in fact, that was the moment where I was just like, oh fuck this movie. It, like even like I was trying to get back in it because I could see the last thirty minutes being something that I would normally like. But it, it just didn't work for me. It just didn't work for me, Nicole. I see what you're saying, but you're completely wrong. All right, well, let's move on <laughs> to the game. You're going to love this game. So you give it a nine, though, eh? I really liked it. That's great. It had a lot to say. That's cool, man. I would like to see you remake it, because you're better at saying it than the movie was. I want you to just say it to me, because all the things you're saying, I'm like, that sounds so good. I wish I saw that movie. <laughs> like I feel like I didn't see the same movie as you and it's bumming me out because you are describing something that I would really like well I know that's why I, I know I don't it's so understand. confusing I'm like yeah that sounds like the kind of thing I would always like but it wasn't what I thought I saw anyway Nicole in order for this game to work this is a pretty complicated game okay and it requires a lot of background so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to tell you about four famous markers I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. I'm going to give you about a paragraph of information about them. And listen carefully, not because it will be a quiz, but because you need to know a little bit of background information about these four people in order to answer the question that I'm going to put to you at the end of it. Okay? Do you understand? Um, I think we need to take a little break and pause. Okay. We'll be right back. commercial break so Nicole as I was saying <laughs> what's going to happen is in order for this game to work you need to have some education and I'm going to provide that to you I'm going to read to you a short short paragraph biography on four famous martyrs and once you have the background I'll explain the rules of the game Are All you right. ready? should we explain why we had to pause? 
I feel like we owe it. Is it, it anybody's to... fucking business? Our baby was hungry. If we ever pause, it's because our baby needs not us. Because we're out fucking. Nope, it's not because of that. You never know. <laughs> no. Nope. Maybe one day. Maybe I'll say something so funny she'll be like, "Okay, <laughs> you get to have one." <laughs> this microphone keeps tipping. It's hard to pause. Okay. Are you ready, Nicole? I'm going to teach you about stuff. Yeah. Here's the first martyr you need to learn about. Joan of Arc. (laughs) Joan of Arc, who lived from 1412 to 1431, nicknamed the Maid of Orleans. Uh, She was a folk heroine of France and a Roman Catholic saint. She was born to a peasant family in northeast France, and Joan said that she received visions from God, instructing her to support Charles VII and recover France from English domination late in the Hundred Years' War. The uncrowned king, Charles VII, sent her to the Siege of Orleans as part of a relief mission, where she gained prominence after the siege was lifted in only nine days. Several additional swift victories led to Charles VII's coronation at Reims, or Reims, and on the 23rd of May, 1430, she was captured at Compiègne by the English-allied Burgundian faction and transferred to the English, put on trial by the pro-English Bishop of Beauvais, Pierre Cauchon, on a variety of charges, and was burnt at the stake for heresy when she was only 19 years old. Heavy. Yep. Martyr number two. Maximilian Kolbe. Saint Maximilian Maria Kolbe was a Polish convention con, sorry, a Polish conventual Franciscan friar who volunteered to die in place of a stranger in a Nazi German death camp of Auschwitz, located in German occupied Poland during World War II. Kolbe was canonized on the tenth of That's October. his eye. Don't put don't put the soother in the baby's eye. Stop and listen. Uh, I lost my... Colby was canonized on the 10th of October 1982 by Pope John Paul II and declared a martyr uh, and declared a martyr of journalists, prisoners, and the pro-life movement. John Paul II declared him as the patron saint of our difficult century. And due to Colby's efforts to promote consecration and entrustment to Mary, he is known as the Apostle of the Consecration to Mary. Okay? Okay. That was Maximilian Colby. Okay. Third are Marcus and Narcissa Whitman. Marcus Whitman was an American physician and missionary in the Oregon country. Along with his wife, Narcissa Whitman, he started a mission to the Cayuse, which is what, which is what, sorry, started a mission to the Cayuse in what is now southeastern Washington state in 1836, teaching and passing a baby off at the same time. The area later developed as a trading post and stopped along the Oregon Trail, where they all get dysentery, and the city of Walla Walla, Washington developed near there. All right. In 1843, Whitman led the first large party of wagon trains along the Oregon Trail to the west, establishing it as a viable route for the hundreds of thousands of immigrants who used the trail in the following decade. Settlers encroached on the Cayuse near the Whitman uh, near the Whitman Mission, following the deaths of all the Cayuse children and half their adults from a measles epidemic in 1847, in which the Cayuse suspected that Whitman's responsibility. They killed the Whitmans and 12 other settlers in what became known as the Whitman Massacre. Continuing warfare by settlers reduced the Cayuse numbers further, and they eventually joined the Nez Perce tribe to survive. Okay, so Marcus and Narcissa were killed by a band of natives. Okay, and lastly, we have Charles the First of England. Charles the First uh, was monarch of the three kingdoms of England, Scotland and Ireland, of England, Scotland and Ireland, from the twenty seventh of March, sixteen twenty five, until his execution in sixteen forty nine. Charles was the second son of King James VI of Scotland, but after his father inherited the English throne in 1603, he moved to England, where he spent much of the rest of his life. After his succession, Charles quarreled with the Parliament of England, which sought to curb his royal prerogative. Charles believed in the divine right of kings and thought he could govern according to his own conscience. Many of his subjects opposed his policies, in particular the levying of taxes without parliamentary consent, and perceived his actions as those of a tyrannical absolute monarch. 
His religious policies, coupled with his marriage to a Roman Catholic, generated the antipathy and mistrust of reform groups such as the Puritans and Calvinists, who thought his views too Catholic. He supported high church ecclesiastics such as Richard Montague, Richard Montague and William Loud and failed to successfully aid Protestant forces during the Thirty Years' War. His attempts to force the Church of, the, of Scotland to adopt high Anglican practices led to the Bishops' War, strengthened the position of the English and Scottish parliaments, and helped precipitate his own downfall. From 1642, I'm glad you're interested, Brody. From 1642, Charles fought the armies of the English and Scottish parliaments in the English Civil War. After his defeat in 1645, he surrendered to a Scottish force that eventually handed him over to the English Parliament. Charles refused to accept his captors' demands for a constitutional monarchy and temporarily escaped captivity in November 1647, re-imprisoned on the Isle of Wight. Charles re- uh, re-imprisoned on the Isle of Wight. Charles forged an alliance with Scotland, but by the end of 1648, Oliver Cromwell's new model army had consolidated its control over England. Charles was tried, convicted, and executed for high treason in January of 1649. So, I've given you a bit of background on Joan of Arc. Maximilian Colby, Marcus and Narcissa Whitman, and Charles I of England. And so you now have to use your skill and judgment to determine which of those martyrs you think would have had the smelliest farts and why. Yes, it's a gay wallet to call Who Fartered? No. <laughs> Joey, are you fucking with me? Come on, Nicole. Who Fartered? Which of those martyrs do you think would have had the smelliest farts and show your work? Explain why. Joey, oh my god, <laughs> I hate when you do these things. These are like your jokes. These are his Charles the First of England, Nicole, who farted. Joey, oh my god, I was gonna say you're who fucked. Farted. I was gonna say you are fucked if you think I listened to anything you said. Well, you should because you now have to answer the question of who farted, and you have to tell me why you think that. That was too much reading, Nicole. Joey, Nicole, Joey, who farted? Listen to me. No, listen to me. It's a simple question. Which of <laughs> no, these people had this the smelliest farts? The fart? worst game is ever. Is it Joan of Arc, the Maid of Orleans? Is it Maximilian Colby, the patron wasted, saint of this difficult century? You've wasted all my is time. Is it Marcus and Narcissa Whitman killed by natives, or is it Charles the First of England? Who farted? Joey. Just pick one so we can move on. No. Let me just... No. no. Joey, listen to me. It's a simple game, Nicole. If you ever read that much on the podcast again, I'm going to fucking lose my shit with what you. What I don't seem to understand is why you're having so much trouble with this. This is a very simple game with very simple rules. It's not my fault I had to teach you about these people first. So, Nicole, I ask you, with all love and patience... To get off your high horse. Oh my horse, god, you think look you have love and patience? And tell me who farted. You think you have love and patience. Nicole, how hard is this? Who space farted question mark. <laughs> who farted? You are so mean to me. I can't believe you did that to me. You can look at it as me being mean to you. Or you can look at it as me being mean to the audience. Or you can look at it however you like. The fact remains that I'm waiting for your answer... Who farted? Was it Joan of Arc, Maximilian Colby, <laughs> Marcus and Narcissa Whitman, or Charles I of England? That was the third one. Marcus and Narcissa Whitman? Yes. Nicole? You just won! Who farted? I'm really not happy with this win. I want to thank um, my research team for pulling together this information this week. I want to thank Brody, the son of Creature, for, for holding out his screaming fest here until after the pod was over. And I want to thank you, Nicole, for your participation in this week's edition of Who Fartered. I'm never playing any more games with you again. Nicole, it's, you have to. It's the half the show. No! That was the worst. I hate... Those are like the jokes you tell that are really, really long and then there's a stupid, stupid payoff. 
Just like our marriage. Stupid. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't you wasted all my time. Well, look, maybe next time come up with a movie to pick that's easier to come up with a game for. <laughs> What's Carter, your pick for Ryan next week? Martyr. I actually don't know. What's your pick for next I week? I totally <laughs> forgot to pick a movie. Right. I'll, I'll <laughs> Idiot. Uh, Can it be lighthearted, please? Because <laughs> because this was a little heavy. Yeah. This is heavy. Yeah, I can be lighthearted. Uh, oh, he's not holding off. Oh, pick, I know. Pick. Quick, quick. He wants you to pick. Uh, pick. Okay, um, we're gonna watch one of my favorite Frankenstein movies. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put <laughs> his mouth. We're going to watch uh, the 1958 Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee classic, The Curse of Frankenstein. Got it. It's a, cla- it's a favorite of mine. Uh, Brody, Brody, chill. Chill your balls. Curse of Frankenstein from 1957, the Hammer Horror film based on the novel by Mary Shelley. Uh, it's my favorite version of Frankenstein, directed by Terrence Fisher, one of my favorite filmmakers. So don't miss next week when we watch that movie. And who knows, maybe we'll have another edition of Who Farted. No, I will not play that again. Until next week, I'm the Creature Brody Joey G. hates your game. Until the next week, I'm the Creature Joey G. I'm the Bride Nicole. Hey, you'll have the... No, y'all stay scary now, that's what I say. Kissy, kissy. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man